welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or transition to a new career, you've come to the right place. If you like this episode, please remember to like and share with a friend. Today I'm chatting with Brandy Bernowski, digital strategist, website developer, and founder of Alchemy and AIM and North Star Sites. Brandy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, Yuri. This is exciting. You're very welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. This has been an absolute pleasure. So as with everything else, um, how how are you doing these days? Which probably is a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> it's hard to ignore the elephant in the room right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually doing well. It was... Um... The past few months have obviously been interesting and I unknowingly set my, my business and my company up really well. My entire team works remotely. Most of our clients um, are, they have their businesses a component of them at least online. And if anything, um, what I love doing, I, I mean, I love the work I do because I'm working with people who seek to be leaders in these times, mm-hmm. um, either guiding people and helping them build um, more resilience or um, taking a stance on Black Lives Matter and um, helping people find resources to be more educated and more aware. So I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of our clients around those things So we haven't slowed down um, and we've actually been pretty busy and uh, we've really been looking to um, help amplify the voices of the people that we work with so that they can do more good in this world and with what they do. That's great. So let's, so let's start from the beginning on this one. Uh, For my listeners who are not familiar with you and your work, how do you describe yourself and what you do? So I really think of myself, I started out as a website developer, meaning like I code things. Um, Over time, I've grown really into a a website strategist, a digital strategist, and also kind of a bit of a business coach with some of our clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it as my job and my responsibility to help my clients make better decisions, Um, business decisions, personal decisions. Sometimes it's telling them just or just reminding them that they don't have to do it all. That sometimes staying really focused on what they're good at is the key and not trying to spread their time out around 17 different social media channels. Like they mm-hmm. can choose two and be great at those two things. And those, they, they can be things that they love. They don't have to do a bunch of things that they don't love in order to feel like they're better connecting with their audience. So mm-hmm. that's kind of become my role. And I have a team now who actually does most of the coding um, and I just get to go in and, and pop in and provide perspective and really hold the big picture vision and objective for our clients. Okay, excellent. So I'm, I'm going to ask, I guess, a very broad question here just because I'm so intrigued by this. So I'm, I'm looking on your LinkedIn at your education and you have a BFA in theater from NYU, a BA in physics, philosophy and religion from Rutgers, 
and you did graduate work in philosophy at UC San Diego. Yeah. So what? So t- t- yeah. tell, me, tell me more <laughs> about that. What made you want to go that route from theater to physics to philosophy? And how has that, and then the, what was your journey after that? So again, really big question. So feel free to answer any of those <laughs> that you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, I, it wasn't exactly planned. It's not like I was like, aha, this is what exactly the path to take is to do all of these um, degrees and studies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really started out with the intention that I was going to be an actor. Like that was it. I went to NYU for that. That was my plan. I had been, um, I had been majoring in physics there as well. And I just, you know, at the time it was a little difficult to manage all of the requirements of the theater program because it was pretty intense it was a very intense writing program Mm -hmm. um, theater education and acting so I was in studio three full days a week and then in classes you know two full days essentially so I eventually just kept my theater major and minored in physics and math Um, but I was in New York I, I went I went to NYU in 1998 so it was my senior year when September 2 you know so that September 11th happened. And yeah. um, I had already started to kind of feel a bit of a shift in me as to like, as much as I loved acting and I really wanted to be in shows that had something to say, I also was getting into producing shows and assistant directing shows, mm-hmm. um, got more interested in religion and kind of like the broader picture of religion. And um, as soon as, you know, fall 2001 in New York um, kind of really made me think of more about what impact that I could have personally. And I really wanted to, to kind of go back to school. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say I graduated not entirely knowing what I was going to do. I ended up working um, and running a tutoring center for a while. So really worked with a lot of young kids, was picking up a lot from them, fell in love with teaching. Um, and at the same time was taking classes in religion and philosophy. Religion really got me into philosophy. Okay. And I discovered that as cool as religion and philosophy were, it is um, a little hard to, it's hard to be the field that you go into if you're not actually religious. So I had applied to seminary school and they're like, what church is sponsoring you? I'm like, I don't, I don't have a church sponsoring me. This is just like intellectual curiosity. So um, it it became kind of a natural idea to then move into philosophy of science because I had the strong physics background. I always was fascinated by how, um, you know, religion and science as two different paradigms and sometimes potentially two conflicting paradigms in some people's minds could coexist and um, was interviewing a lot of professors and um, ended up in philosophy um, of science, doing more work in physics, getting another math minor. And I, I, you know, I thought after all this time tutoring and working and teaching that I really, really wanted to be a college professor. So that was the reason I ended up in a PhD program for philosophy of science and science studies. And I loved it. I loved, I loved the materials so much. And I had some great professors at UCSD, but it was also a real, it was a real look at being a college professor Mm -hmm. and um, discovering pretty, I mean, this is just a fact, like when you're a philosophy, I mean, if you're a philosophy professor, but this is true of pretty much if you're a professor of anything, um, it's not like there are infinite jobs out there. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's maybe three jobs that pop up in a year. 
and they may not be in your ideal locations. So um, it, it just was kind of, it became a thing, you know, just an idea where I was like looking at the, the actual life of being a college professor. And um, I really wanted to, again, I just, I kept thinking, I'm like, I just want to reach people. And I couldn't imagine writing these academic papers that would like, that maybe five people would read, maybe 15 if you're lucky. If it's a really great paper, you know, it sticks around for a while and you get a few hundred people to read it. But I was like, how do we get this even bigger than that? Mm-hmm. So um, it just kind of became obvious that the life of a college professor wasn't for me. So it was a lot of kind of like choices and twists and turns along the way. And after I left my PhD program, I actually got a job um, at a nonprofit. We were doing earth science education for NASA. So this was actually like, now I was like, okay, great. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm in a thing that has a huge reach because NASA's um, education materials go into many different schools across the country. Um, and I still found myself just like feeling like I wasn't really fulfilling all and like giving all that I had to give. And I, I can't, I, it, it's hard to kind of explain, but you know, beyond that, but it's like there, I, I think when you are an artist of any sort, whether it's an actor or a sculptor or a singer or a musician, like creativity drives you and you just need, you need to create in all different ways. So being a box in, in any job can often feel exhausting and restricting. And I, at that point I had been blogging and I had taught myself to code and I was coding just enough that I figured, you know what, this could actually be a thing. Um, and I imagined myself, I was like, I could, I could live the life of a freelancer. Sure. Um, but when you've got that creativity within you, you know, making the leap to freelancer, next thing you know, you're hiring people and you're building. And I think that's, you know, what I love most about what I do is that there are endless ideas and not just my ideas now, you know, like there are the, my ideas of my business of like, oh, I could do it like that or like that. And I could help people in this way. But also when you start engaging with clients with really interesting businesses, you help them shape their ideas as well and the work that they're doing and the impact they're having as well. So um, that's kind of, it's, it's a very strange route. And I will say like, sometimes I tried things and decided, you know what, this wasn't for me, but I'm really glad that I ended up where I ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, again, it's, it's incredibly fascinating and I love it. I, so I'm, as a side note, I'm just curious, um, as somebody who studied philosophy, what's your opinion of the TV show, The Good Place? I think it's a trip. I think it's a funny show. Um, I, I mean, I, I've watched, I think how, what I've, I've seen two seasons of it now. Um, and I just, you know, like anything, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of take it lightheartedly. I will say, you know, a show like that, I just, I can just kind of shut off my philosophy brain and just enjoy. Um, the ones that get me are, so, uh, when I was in grad school, I, um, I was TA for one of my professors in a philosophy of time mm-hmm. course. And it's the, um, it's time travel inconsistencies that bug me the most in movies. Like anytime I see a time travel inconsistency, I'm like, this is, this is logically inconsistent for time travel. Like it just can't happen, you know? So that I, I will say that's the one point 
where really my philosopher brain does not turn off and I'm just like, if this could not happen, I don't even know why they're showing this. It's just totally like impossible. Um, <laughs> that's, that's good to know that, that that's where the line is drawn. I, if for time some travel. reason, yes, time yeah. travel and, and all of the really bad time travel shows out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when you were, so let's talk about then your first company, Alchemy and AIM. What, because you, you kind of talked a little bit about how you just went then to being a, a freelancer and then started hiring people. Is that, so was there a, a, a time in a in place where you were like, this is now a company I'm going to do? Or was it something that was gradual where it was like, I'm going to be freelancing. Now I need to hire some people. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I guess this is a company now. It, it was the latter, honestly. It's, I hadn't planned on it being a company. I didn't even think of it as a company, even as I first started hiring. So I had pretty much within about 18 months of starting the comp of starting being a freelancer, I had maxed myself out. I was working six full days a week. Um, and I had to turn down really like ridiculously good projects because mm -hmm. I had no time. Um, and at, for a while I thought I had to just totally like find something different to do. And was very fortunate to find a business coach at that time who was like, or you could hire someone to help you and take things off your plate. And I was like, what? I could? That's, a th that's right. That's a thing that you can actually do. So I hired um, an, uh, an admin assistant, someone who was actually in-house with me at the time. And then I was like, you know what? I can also hire two develop. Like I can hire some developers. And I really thought it was going to be me and two developers and, and the admin assistant. And that was it. And it was really um, that first admin who, who mentioned to me one day, she said, you know, I told people I work for you, but it's just a little strange when you're just like, yeah, I work for Brandy Bernowski. And they're like, what, who? Um, and that was kind of when I realized I might need to name this thing. Yeah. So I've always struggled with naming things. Like it was torture in college to write papers and have to put a title on them. Like, I mean, agonizing. I sometimes think, titling the paper took longer than writing like the 10 page paper mm -hmm. um, just because I felt like it had to be perfect to capture, you know, the one professor who was going to read it's attention and um, was sitting on my porch uh, at, at the home I was renting at that point in Charlottesville, Virginia and alchemy name just kind of popped to me. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. It made sense in my brain. I might have to explain it to other people. It was a little hipster. Yes but um, it felt really, really good. And that's how it was kind of born. Um, I will even say, even after naming it, it still didn't quite feel like a company. I think I had to get a few more people in to really have an understanding of what I was doing and that I was actually, that I was stepping into the role of being a leader of my team, not just a developer who hired two other developers and was still building websites. So that's a very interesting distinction. So yeah. how did you do that? Were there and and further develop your company? Were there courses you took or mentors you had or books you were reading? How did you go from what you just described, a developer who hired people to then actually being the leader and CEO of a company? I will say it's all of the above. Um, I had started working with a business coach right before I started hiring people. Um, and being in that atmosphere, what was great is that she was wonderful. Like she had a really solid, she was actually, so coincidentally, she was a singer songwriter 
turned business coach and leader. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, I, I felt a kind of an affinity for her journey as well. And seeing kind of like my journey was somewhat similar in that we were both very creative people, but stepping into this more business role. But what I loved about working with her is that I wasn't just working with her. Like I was attending retreats with all of these other business owners too. Mm. So I, you know, I say as much as what she taught me shaped me and my business, it was also being with those other business owners and like speaking to them, learning from them, listening to their challenges and struggles. Even sometimes like they weren't, I mean, it's not like we were all website developers hanging out together. I mean, we had people who made custom jewelry and who were accountants and who ran spas. Like it was just a really wide range of people. So um, I was in a great position just to kind of like listen and learn. And some of these people had bigger businesses than I did. So they had different challenges and, but they were challenges that were starting to come up for me. Mm -hmm. So that was really instrumental. And then, you know, obviously because this is an audio recording, no one can see the large stack of books behind me, but I have three bookshelves in my office that are like just top to bottom in books. Um, I've, again, it's been the academic in me. Like I love learning. I love reading. And sometimes it's not always about um, reading and like hyper putting everything into place. It's just about putting the ideas in my brain and watching what naturally emerges. So I, I almost kind of feel like sometimes it's like a collage where an idea will come up and I'll be like, wait, I know this book and this book and this book, they all had really different ideas about this, but how do I synthesize them in a way that works well for me? And then how do I maybe bring that to a coach that I'm working with to get some feedback or talk to a client about, you know, feedback as well. So that's um, the ideas from the book have, you know, they've always kind of just floated around in my mind, but um, I will say like being in a group and, and, and this has gone on for me. Like I have never, stopped being in groups of really brilliant business owners because there's so much magic that happens not only when you're learning from someone who really knows what they're talking about but also when you're just learning from people who are are in it with you you know it you just feel human with them which is wonderful yeah so i want to ask you about uh projects and how you approach projects so i'm i'm again i'm there's a couple of interesting things that are back to back on your LinkedIn, which is why I want to bring them up. So you started a podcast called the next leaders podcast that lasted for six months. And in 2019, you've also expanded your company to do um, another edition called North star sites. So when you look at expanding and potentially contracting, like what Mm -hmm. decisions do you make of this is what I need to do at this time because it's good for the business and for my brand. And then how did you then couple that with closing a podcast that maybe had a similar type of idea to what you were doing and realizing it wasn't what you wanted to do? If that was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So those are really good questions. And um, I think it's remembering the bandwidth that you have and that you can always ask for help. So the biggest challenge of the podcast, so the podcast was actually me and a friend of mine. And we actually, I think we did it, we did it for six months up into the point that she had her second child. And then after second baby came along, obviously scheduling was a little bit more complex, but also I was doing all of the audio editing myself um, and running my business too. 
Um, and it became a little overwhelming between like scheduling my schedule, her schedule, the schedule of the people that we were interviewing, doing the audio editing, getting everything set up, doing, you know, like both of us doing social media to, to push it out. And um, for me, it made sense to shut that down. One, because she, she genuinely needed time with her new baby, mm-hmm. but also because um, I just, you know, I, I, I felt like it wasn't, um, it didn't have the direction that I needed to, it to have as part of a bigger overarching picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that I maybe won't go back to podcasting at some point, but I think, you know, when you're creative, it's very natural to start side projects. But I think you have to step back and look at how they fit into the bigger picture of what you want to do or simply what you want your life to look like. Mm-hmm. I did not want my life to look like I was you know, sitting all day on a Saturday when I could be outside audio editing. Um, and, and that's happened to me at, at different points with different things. It's happened to me recently where I realized that the only way that I could write an article was to lose my Sunday. Hmm. which meant losing my time with my family, with, with my partner, you know, things like that with my nephews, um, all those kind of details. So um, with North Star, North Star really was like, it was something that was already living within Alchemy and AIM. Mm-hmm. And it just made sense from a marketing perspective to pull it out. And the reason that I felt that it worked so well is because I had a team Like there's a team for North Star. It's not like Brandy's trying to do it herself and, you know, losing Saturdays to to working with North Star clients. Like I'm involved in the process, but I am not driving the process. And so that's, for me, that's kind of like, it's part of the bigger picture of what I do and how I want to help people. Um, And some of the expertise I have to give and, you know, highlighting team members' expertise as well. Um, But it doesn't require me to, to, to drive it in the same way. I'm still leading it, but the team really kind of coordinates and handles everything. Makes it so much more doable, hmm. really. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of like, those are always my considerations to when like starting and stopping new things. Um, you know, sometimes you start going down that path of creating something new. But I would say, you know, if it, if it solely relies upon you to drive it and you already have a lot of other responsibilities, it becomes very difficult to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you can create some, I, there's something wonderful about creating something also that you can share with others and that others can grow with you and co-create with you. That's really exciting to me. So that's kind of how everything that I look to do now, um, I, I really look for for kind of like those pieces of like, what can I, what can I start and lead, but not necessarily have to be the one who maintains. It's also something I know about my own work style. Like I have, I have ideas. I'm totally an ideas person, but it's nice when you can give those ideas to other people and they can even iterate on them for you and like grow them and evolve them into something even, you know, more brilliant than you initially imagined because you've got these fantastic people working with you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because of the fact that you are, you know, your business is digital strategy, website development. When you speak with clients, how do you approach the idea of uh, a digital experience versus a digital presence? And, and what does that mean? And 
Yeah. So, so for so long, we really have thought about websites or even social media profiles as like things that we should have online so that when people Google us, they find us. And it's just like confirming evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially today, like in today's world, we're online more than ever before and having the consistency across platforms and also thinking about how you lead people, not just in conversation, but also in copy and in the way that you structure what you have online. I always think like particularly a website is like, how do you lead people in a website Mm -hmm. so that they feel guided? So they know what the next step is. So they're not, you know, clicking into your menu, trying to figure out where the information they need is like, how do you guide them and shape shape the experience that they even have of you online. So that's, you know, copy, it's images. Um, it's, it's how easy the buttons are to find or, you know, what the next page is, what's, what's the story you're telling, what's your story that you're telling and what's, what's the story of transformation that you're telling as well. Cause that's really what we, we really like latch onto. Like we love transformations, you know, if I had started out as a website developer and always been a website developer, I probably wouldn't be as an interesting person. And the reality is I wouldn't have as much um, just wealth of knowledge to, to pull from um, if I had solely been in one field the entire time. Um, so that's, you know, that's really what I think about is like, it's not, it's not just enough these days to just be online or just to have a website. Like you really have to think about what the content on the website is telling people and even like the connection point, how easy is it for someone to connect with you? How hard do you make it? Like I was trying to make reservations at a um, restaurant last night and nowhere on the website, does it say anything about whether they take reservations or not? And then suddenly I'm like, wait, I have to call them, but they're, they don't even have their phone number on the website. And I'm like, why are they making this so hard? I just want to book a nice dinner at their restaurant. Like this is, I'm just trying to do something simple and, and especially like something obvious and simple like that. I also, you know, there was nothing on their website about um, what were they doing outdoor dining or not, or what measures they had taken for coronavirus. Like just, it wasn't there. Um, So like then I, as the visitor have to work that much harder to, to get the information I need. So that's really what I think about when it comes to like, digital experience it's like how easy are you making it for people are you guiding them are you using language that's reflective of who you are because i can guarantee you people want that they want your personality in there they don't want you to talk to them like in in a quote unquote you know like business manner like mm-hmm. they want you to be a human being but we really we crave that especially now especially because we have to do through so much through computers and phones like we crave more humanity yeah yeah and i think that's a great point i uh, i know in a similar experience i've been going through a lot of other people's websites just because i'm trying to you know reschedule vet appointments and dentist appointments and everything else that i wouldn't have just spent on time on their website and trying to get information updated information about hours or what's available or what's even possible or even contact information you're right has been unless the company really made it a priority in the beginning, it's been a difficult experience of just trying to get a hold of somebody to schedule my car maintenance and all kinds of yeah. stuff. So that's, I think that's, that's great to think about the, the actual experience somebody has on your site and the storytelling part of that. But so 
that being like a major key, what other opportunities are you noticing that people are missing that they sh should could easily, let's say, turn up the volume to to fill in the gaps? I mean, I, I think it's it's telling their story, too. That's, you know, that's the nicest thing. Like we, we really, again, we crave humanity and we crave stories. Like mm -hmm. we don't just want information. We want information in context and whether that's, you know, sometimes that's going to be um, your story as business owner. It may be the story of your team members or employees. Um, you know, like I, uh, there's a, a gym in my area that I belong to and it's an independent gym and um, the owner's been phenomenal, like really phenomenal about how he treats his staff during this time, taking care of them, making sure that they're paid. They know that they have responsibilities as well to teach classes online and things like that. But, you know, hearing like the story of what he's doing, um, but then also their individual stories of what they're doing during this time, like it just, you know, or what their clients are doing, it just shapes, it shapes um, our perspective and our loyalty too. Mm -hmm. So that's, I feel like, you know, one of the biggest things that's potentially missing from um, companies and what they're doing online during this time is, is just telling the stories to build the loyalty. Like the companies that um, there have been some, you know, businesses that I've, I've done business with in the past that I probably won't do business with in the future because I know how they've treated their people during this time and it hasn't been good. Mm. Um, where they, you know, they haven't, they, they haven't been communicative and told stories about what they are doing. They're just waiting for someone to ask them for the information. So I think, I really think, you know, storytelling right now is really key. Um, and just, you know, being open and honest about what you know, what you don't know, um, not, not trying to uh, project airs of confidence that maybe don't make sense during this time. Like, I think there's something about, um, being able to tell stories and show resilience, but false confidence is really um, false confidence and, and false knowledge just are kind of out the door. Like mm -hmm. we, we really want, we want people to, to be really authentic mm -hmm. right now. What is your relationship with fear and how do you overcome those times when you feel fearful or apprehensive about moving? Like maybe it could be in the past when you moved from one idea to another, or maybe it was just starting your company or even now deciding on projects to take, but times when you are suddenly feeling fearful about something, how do you look at it and move past it? I think fear is really instructive. So, um, for me, emotions in general, and this probably comes from my theater training too, like emotions are so interesting. And if you stop to feel them and ask yourself, like, what's happening here? Like, what's really happening here? Because you think you might be angry at someone else, but it's really kind of informative, kind of like um, you may see an old belief that you've had that needs to be broken down or um, a lie you've been telling yourself that you need to let go of. So emotions in and of themselves are really informative. So it's like fear comes along. It, it's great to start. Like I like to start unpacking it. Like what's really happening here? Like, why am I afraid? I was, I was actually with my last job at the nonprofit. I was afraid to leave it for a while. And I started trying to like unpack, like what do I think is going to happen? Like what are really, what are the worst case scenarios 
of if I leave this job and being a freelance developer doesn't work out for me. Like, let's go through worst case scenarios. Maybe try to kind of break down the fear a little bit. But I think as you do, it's almost not even like that you're always breaking down the fear, but that you're, you're amplifying the courage you've always had by reminding yourself of past situations in which you were courageous. So I think always looking back to when was another time that I needed to call upon my courage to do something that was a little different or to take a, you know, a sharp right turn or sharp left turn or even do a total 180 or something like that. Mm. Um, pulling those, those points from your past that um, have allowed you really just to kind of constantly build the courage muscle that, that you need to have. Um, can really help you move forward. And it's not about ignoring the fear or not feeling the fear. It's about acknowledging the fear, um, digging into it a little bit, but then also reminding yourself why it's important to move forward in the particular way that you are, because there are really important things at stake. And so often when we are at um, the precipice of change in our lives, like change in general, like as a, you know, culture, humans, like we don't really do well to, with change. Like it is scary always. Um, but reminding yourself of like the, the, um, what's on the other side of it is really helpful. But then also that you've gotten through past situations. We all have, mm -hmm. you know, it, they may look different. They may, you know, this, the exact circumstances may be different but we have all gotten through difficult times. And that's really what allows us to build the resilience and build the courage to, to do things that are, um, that do scare us a little bit. So that's kind of like what I always look to the past and I'm like, okay, when have I, when other times that have, you know, that I've called upon the courage because that helps me go forward into the future, remi reminding myself like I've done this before yeah. and it turned out, I mean, it really, it, maybe it didn't turn out as I thought it would, but it turned out really for the best. On a, I guess on a similar idea with, with thinking back throughout your past, with everything that you have gone through and experienced in different industries, what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given? I think, I, I, I do think it comes down to like feeling your feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, they're there for a reason. That was something my first business coach always said, and it's a little unnatural. Oftentimes, like you're, you're told to stuff down your feelings, um, but I think feel like your feelings are really powerful indicators of stuff that needs to happen. Like I do remember being in my grad school advisor's office and having a conversation with him, and I I was. I, I don't remember when I started crying, if I was just tearing up in his office and if I saved the, the actual, like the big, you know, snotty tears for once I left the office. Um, but the, all of the emotions and all the feelings that were coming up during that conversation um, were really critical in shaping my next steps. And had I just ignored them, I might've still just kind of you know, pushed my way through the PhD and ended up um, not being as happy as I am, you know, like I, I might've just stayed with it longer because I was determined to stay with it. And instead of really listening to myself and um, trying to understand what was happening to me and why, why I was having 
you know, these, these reactions and feelings that I were. So I think, you know, feeling the feelings, it's okay. Um, because also when you feel the feelings, you can go, you can move past them into a more logical space of, of making a good decision too. So that's always been a great piece of advice. And I think no matter where I've been, like, I look back and I'm like, you know what, those feelings really were, they were really helpful in, in unexpected ways or expected ways too. Excellent. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to uh, get a hold of you online or visit your companies, where is the best place they can go to do all of that? Best thing is our company website, alchemyandaim.com. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at Brandy Bernowski. Perfect. And I will put both of those links in the show notes so people can click right through. Awesome. Thank you. It was great being here and chatting with you today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brandy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to advanceyourart.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again and have a great day.